Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Red Sox Bastards of Boston Hot Stove edition of the podcast. Have a few, I don't want to call them developments, but a few rumors, innuendo, stuff like that to go over as winter meetings is kicking off. Uh, The Braves made the first move uh, on Sunday night trading for... Jared Kalenic and Marco Gonzalez uh, from the Mariners and sent some prospects back uh, in that package. So pretty significant. Nothing else major has happened since then. But uh, so we're going to get into some stuff. Seth Lugo, apparently there's uh, some rumblings. The Red Sox could be interested in him. We will discuss that. Uh, some comments on uh, from Craig Breslow today on what they're really focusing on, uh, and it's actually has more to do with the trade market. So, Micah Storms with me tonight. Micah, how are you? I'm doing good, Terry. I just I'm dying for some crazy news and just fast paced signings and we haven't gotten that i just it's so it's the lull and it's just i'm tired of you know this person may be connected with this team i just it drives me nuts i want news i want signings baseball needs that and i don't know if they have to change how they do things in the off season but it just it just there's no excitement right now. They even I've even read a couple of people on Twitter who are actually at the winter meetings and people are just describing it as dead right now, which is a shame. Yeah, we still have, I think, two full days left, so we'll see what happens there. Charlie Smith also with us tonight. How are you, Charlie? I'm doing okay, but so much of what Micah just said, echoing the sentiment. It's been boring. It's been Sad. It feels like COVID when baseball just was canceled and it was no sports and no fun and no vaccine. It was just wild. And, you know, now there's a vaccine, but there's still no baseball. And the little bits of baseball that we are getting is just, you know, rumors, but nothing concrete. And if it's anything concrete, it's for other teams, not ours. Yeah, I feel like there was more action last November uh, in 2022. The Eduardo Rodriguez guys kind of came off quick. And, you know, I every time I complain about the lack of action on social media, everyone's like, it never happens before the winter meetings. That's not true. But I can't fight everybody. So, all right. So Craig Breslow did meet with the media today. And... It seems like their primary focus right now, unequivocally, is they are seeking a young, controllable starting pitcher. And the name that was mentioned, especially in the report by Mass Live's Sean McAdam, was Logan Gilbert. He's basically, I think, the number two in Seattle. I think Kirby would be considered their ace, if I'm not mistaken. But Gilbert is, I think, 26 years old, pitched three years in the majors, uh, 32 starts a year the last couple of years, which is pretty good. Um, had a, an ERA uh, a little under four. I think he had like a 3.87 ERA. He seems to be getting better and better 
uh, as he goes. He's got four years remaining on his deal. And the other uh, key note in there is that Breslow said no prospects are untouchable. So some of Bloom's precious prospects could get dealt. I'm not thrilled with that, but Micah, what do you think of this mentality? You know, they've got plenty of money to spend, but what's your interpretation of what's going on and what would you like to see? Well, right now the the starting pitching market is kind of stuck in limbo. Um, so while players are not going to, they're not currently signing. And I feel like the Red Sox kind of Breslow kind of knows how fast this is going to move. I like the idea of exploring the trade market while you're waiting. There's no reason not to. Um, and if, if the, the Red Sox could acquire a pitcher like Gilbert, then I think you kind of shift your focus because you have a number two type starter and maybe you don't need to go out and get two starting pitchers. You only need to go out and get one in free agency. But if you don't acquire a pitcher like Gilbert um, via trade, then you probably do have to go out and get two pitchers via free agency. So I like the idea of them um, exploring the trade market. I would be absolutely thrilled if they were able to acquire Logan Gilbert. I am all on board. Um, you have to give up something of quality to get something of quality. And if it meant parting with Roman Anthony to acquire Gilbert, I would 100% do that. I think Gilbert is the real deal. He's a, he's a workhorse early in his career. This is the type of pitcher that the Red Sox have not been able to develop and if you can't develop them and you don't want to spend 200 plus million dollars in free agency, then you have to trade for him. And I just hope that he actually is somewhat available and on the market because I just kind of scratch my head as to why Seattle would be willing to move him because I think he's a really good pitcher. Charlie. I'm also very curious. Uh, the Seattle Mariners have one of the more exciting, you know, one twos in the sense of Logan Gilbert and George Kirby. So getting rid of half of that two headed monster almost doesn't make sense unless they know something that we don't. So it's like, did AJ Preller move to Seattle and is he trying to make some dirty moves now for them? It just, it, it seems very interesting. And Mike took the words out of my mouth. Are we willing to, get rid of or send pack, you know, send players away to get Logan Gilbert, a 13 game winner, two years in a row, someone who's kept it under four for two years in a row and is a horse. The guy's averaging, you know, just under 200 innings over the last two seasons. He is only 26 years. He does have, you did mention, I believe four years of control. This year is going to be arbitration one for him. Arb one, I believe. For Logan Gilbert? Uh, I think it, it would be with three years to go, if I'm not mistaken. Three to go? I apologize. I thought it was four. Um, but it's just, it's interesting. If you get Gilbert and Seattle says, well, we want mayor, are you saying yes to that? It sounds like Breslow would, and I don't know if I covet. Exactly. Uh, 
I don't know if I covet Marcelo Meyer, who might miss all of 2024, by the way, with shoulder surgery. That hasn't been ruled out. So he's not doing any type of program right now. Um, that doesn't wouldn't affect my willingness to, to trade him. I mean, I, I'm fine if he has surgery and we keep him. I'm good with that. It's just going to be an extra year. But... Um, but Roman Anthony, I mean, he could conceivably be a late season call up, you know, because he's right. he's been in college for a few years and and already right after being drafted by us, he's already up to double A. So not saying it would happen, but I mean, Jacoby Ellsbury was in double A in the summer of 2007 and then was a stud in the playoffs later that year. So. Um, so who, who knows, but I don't know who I covet the most Myers, a righty Anthony is a lefty. So that, that kind of makes Meyer a, a better fit for this lineup, but any of them are, are tradable. And I just, I've never been of the mentality of trading prospects, especially when you have that much money available to spend. I, I would love to find, you know, well, number one, I mean, I want Yamamoto, but if that doesn't happen, I'd rather sign pitchers for three or four years. Even if the annual money is a little big, I'm fine with it because that, that's a short-term risk. And, you know, and then you can hopefully develop, you know, some of the, the pitchers we have and, and develop some of the position players we have because those guys are going to keep our payroll cheap anyway. So right. I, I, I'm not asking for outside of Yamamoto. I'm not asking to go spend at the top of the market. I'm not asking for a, a Soto trade and an extension. We'll get to him shortly, but that's not, that's not where I want to live. You know, if Casas is a stud, Devers continues to be a stud Maybe we we pick up. I mean, maybe um, the outfield prospects there. Duran, uh, drawing a big time blank. Who's the other lefty outfielder? Uh, young kid called him up in the summer. Got him in the Astros trade. Um, I'm, I'm brain farting. Will your Abreu? Abreu, yes. Will your Abreu? Yeah. Okay. You know, one of those guys will have a very productive season I feel like or Raffaella I just I I just don't want to like I don't want to deplete the farm and then still not and then still be like a couple years away from a, a championship potentially I just I don't like this direction and when you're talking about the pitching market you're already hearing comparisons that Breslow is just like Bloom Breslow is just like Bloom with the pitching market, yet he might deal from a relatively healthy farm now, and and I don't know. I just I don't see how it's all going to fit. Now, if we trade for Logan Gilbert, if it happens, and then either Meyer or Anthony are in the deal, you're you're going to have another prospect. You probably don't want to trade in that deal because that's that's what happens when you trade for a guy with four years of control left but if you get logan gilbert and then you land yamamoto 
Okay. All right. Let's let's talk about winning the division now because I think that's where we're trending. You know, you'd have to make a couple of moves. Like I said, you got to balance that lineup uh, a little better than it is. You need a right-handed bat somehow. I'm still going to pray for Randy or Rosarena. He's my guy. Uh, you know, very slim chance it happens, but... You think the Red Sox are going to trade for Randy Rosarena? Well, he's he's a right-handed bat that solves a lot of problems. I mean, the Yankees want solves every problem exactly, <laughs> and yeah. and th- there is there is talk of him possibly being dealt, not necessarily to us, but him and Glass now are you know making a lot of money now with arbitration. So, uh, you know, who knows? I, everyone says. Oh, you don't trade within the division. Well, the Rays kind of have to. They have to get the best deal they can because they're a small market team. And if the Red Sox offer a better deal than the, you know, the San Diego Padres, or that's probably not the best example, or the, you know, the Marlins uh, or whatever, then you have to, they have to take our package. So I'll see. It's just, it's just frustrating, uh, you know, to not really have a good sense of, of what's going to happen. Terry, you said, you know, you would be all for three to four year deals. And I agree with you. That would be ideal. But when you are working within the free agent market, that's just really not a thing. Like the, the, the types of pitchers that you're going to get are Sonny Gray, those type of arms. And I just don't think those solve a lot of the Red Sox problems because Sonny Gray isn't a front of the rotation arm um, to solve the problem. I think a Yamamoto or even a Jordan Montgomery, if you were to put one of those two guys and, and, you know, partner them up with Logan Gilbert, I think then you kind of have something there to, to really, you know, lead your rotation. Um, I, I think that's what's needed. I think one of those two guys and then a trade for Gilbert. And then all of a sudden, I think you have, you really have a rotation to to really build on and move forward with. That's what I would like to see them do. Um, obviously, Yamamoto would be number one and it's not even close. Um, and when you said it's frustrating not knowing what is really going on. I frankly don't think anybody knows what's going on. I don't think any of the big time reporters have a clue of what the real feel is because once somebody makes a move, it's going to cause a team to go into desperation mode and they're going to jump in and they weren't even reported. And I just, it's going to happen. And I just, this, Oh, this team showing interest. I don't think anybody really has a clue right now because of, the uncertainty around Otani and Yamamoto. Nobody really knows what those two are going to do. If if we could have got a, a Sonny Gray type guy, and then <clears throat> I don't know who would be a, another decent arm. I'd hate to, you know, a, a guy of Strowman's ability without the, you know, the, the, propensity for hissy fits would be a good guy so if you had Bayo, Sonny Gray and then uh, another guy in that category if you could get Montgomery without the massive premium let's say it's a four or five year deal those three right there Bayo, Sonny Gray Montgomery that's about as good I think as the the 2013 Red Sox maybe even a little bit better if if Bayo takes even a half a step forward uh, from next year so I'm, I'm okay with that 
I'm okay with that for year one of the the Breslow era. You can always make a trade or a move. Now, don't get me wrong. I do want Yamamoto. I'm not softening on that. I'm like hardcore. If anything, I'm kind of, I'm kind of resigned to the idea. It's pro- it might not happen. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of momentum behind the Red Sox right now, and maybe that's what they want us to think. And then maybe they're going to swoop in and get it done. But, but yeah. So, I don't think we're going to end up where we wanted to, you know, in September, you know, when high bloom gets fired, we read the tweets. We're like, Oh yeah, we're going to have some awesome pitching next year. I don't know that we're going to, we're going to be where we thought we might be at that point. Charlie, you want to jump in? I mean, it's just been, I don't think anyone thought we'd be where we are right now. To be completely honest, I mean, a month ago or even the the day before Haim Bloom was let go, we all thought we were going to be in this for a whole nother year where it was going to be, you know, jumping in front of traffic with, you know, blindfolds on. I, I still think we have to try to be a little bit optimistic, even though everything surrounding Yamamoto hasn't been totally exciting for Red Sox fans, but I mean, every, everything you read, if you look up a major name, the, the Red Sox aren't the top team, and it's been, it's been really sad. But we have to try to be a little bit optimistic. There's no way the team can be worse than they were last year. That's, that's the bottom line with the additions and changes that we have to make. I meant to go through the, um, the Mariners' rotation – Real quick, this is what it looks like. Luis Castillo, uh, Logan Gilbert uh, is in there presently. Then you have George Kirby, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu. So you can you can make the case that maybe um, maybe they do have a little bit of wiggle room there to make a trade if they desperately want to boost their offense, but. Um, but we'll see. Let's let's pivot real quick here. Um, Seth Lugo was mentioned today. Red Sox possibly connected to him. Um, not a not a sexy name. I I don't remember who was on with me that show when he came up on that top fifty list. He probably would have been in the third or uh, second or third show rather. So that would have been part three or four. Um, basically he hasn't really been healthy until last year in late 2017. He had a slight tear of his UCL. They didn't do surgery on it. Um, he pitched the whole, uh, I think he might've pitched a couple seasons actually. And then he had bone chips taken out, taken out of his elbow. Nathan Avaldi had that same problem in 2019, Missed like four or five months. Uh, And since then, he's actually been okay. That surgery happened, I think, in 2021. Um, And so he did pitch a full season in uh, 2023. I think it was 146 innings. I'm pulling this thing up right now. His uh, numbers across the board last year actually look 
pretty good. He, his uh, strikeout per nine was 8.6. That's decently above league average. His walk per nine was just 2.2. For comparison, Blake Snell won the Cy Young with a with a 5.0 walk per nine. Now, that's an anomaly. You probably won't see that again for a while. But, you know, those numbers are pretty good. His uh, ERA, 383. Uh, not bad. Not bad. So, to me, those are Jordan Montgomery type numbers, really, and you'd be getting him at a discount. He is three or four years older than Montgomery. I think Lugo just turned 34. Uh, so I wouldn't hate the deal. He still has to be the number two to me. There has to be a bigger plan, whether it's trading for Gilbert or si signing Yamamoto. But Charlie, go ahead. I am so out on Seth Lugo. <laughs> okay. I want no part of Seth Lugo. They, okay, what am I going to say, Terry? I don't know, Charlie. I'm not saying I Brace love yourself. it. I, Here's you, the bad news, Terry. Wait, Here's hang on. You might talk me out of Lugo. Uh, that's how noncommittal I am to him. Okay, good. You don't strike me as someone who's big on commitments with baseball players. Baseball <laughs> players here, Okay. Three years, $42 million for a player that's been in the league for eight seasons and only once has proven himself as a starter. That's his first red flag. Red flag number two, you've only just recently left the team that has one of the worst GMs in Major League Baseball. A.J. Preller is right down there with, like, cow dung, awful GM, horrible person, wish he would get arrested, can't catch a cold. It's absolutely insane. I don't know how we're justifying the injury past and the fact that we tried doing what they did with Seth Lugo with multiple pitchers, and it hasn't worked out. Yes, he had an ERA of 3.57. Yes, he had 26 appearances from the starting rotation, more than almost his entire career combined. I still want no part of it, none whatsoever. I, I'm, I'm so out on this. A 34-year-old who's had one year of brief relevance, if you can even call it that, is getting three years, 42 million. Please, I'm so done. No thank you. Go ahead, Micah. So I would be somewhat interested if if I know Charlie, just give me a second here, okay? I would be somewhat interested if he was pitcher number three that was acquired. Okay, so you have um, if say they acquire Montgomery, they trade for Gilbert, and then you sign Seth Lugo. I could live with that, okay? But if he is fish number two that they acquire, I want no part of that. Now, what really does scare me? is if you look at his numbers, 2019, 80 innings, 2020, 36, 2021, 46, 2022, 65. Then he jumps up to 146 last year. So that scares me because after a huge jump in his workload, what does he look like going into next season? Is he does he show some fatigue? Is he was he overworked last year? I mean, he's a 34 year old who's coming off of the biggest workload of his entire career. 
I don't know if that's somebody you bet on. But again, if he was pitcher number three and you got had guys like Cutter Crawford and, you know, other guys who could fill in for him and you're not expecting, you know, 28 starts from him, I could possibly live with that. But the problem is if you're paying him three and 42, you are kind of expecting him to make 20 to 25 starts. And I just don't know if you can guarantee that. So if the Red Sox signed him, I if he was the first pitcher the Red Sox acquired this offseason, I would be super suspicious and concerned. If he was the third pitcher they acquired, I would be intrigued because then I might be like, well, what are they, you know, what are the plans with the other pieces? Um, but three and 42 for a guy like Charlie said, who doesn't have a track record, it, it seems like we could be going down the same type of rabbit holes that we, that we saw the Red Sox go down in, in, in previous seasons where they get very little from Corey Kluber um, you know, pitchers like that. I just oh. that would that would concern me that you know he makes eight starts and is on the IL for the remainder of the season. Yeah, let's let's throw in red flag number four from 2020 to 2022, 148 innings pitched. That's just under 50 innings expected. 146 and a third to Micah's credit this year. Eight and seven, stellar. What a record for the San Diego Padres. Three years prior, 10 and 9. This guy's getting three for 42. We are all in the wrong career path. We should all be professional pitchers if he's getting three for 42. <laughs> like, that's absolutely <laughs> mental. He can't get 10 wins in a season. So a couple of things to consider here. I mean, last year was really the first season he could get stretched out as a starter. They did get 146 innings out of him. Also, interestingly, the Padres acquired their pitching coach from the Cleveland Guardians organization. So, I mean, they've been a top three or four organization for pumping out starting pitching. You know, Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, um, Mike Clevenger, Shane Bieber. You know, it's rich. Tristan McKenzie's had some some injury history. Thanks, Charlie, for trading him to me on fantasy. But um, but yeah, so they they do have a pension for that. And I don't think it's a huge coincidence that Lugo had a very good year under under that pitching coach. Three years, 42 million. I probably don't do that deal at that number. I'm more in the the two year, maybe 32 million a year. I, I think that's a decent, you know, market value for a 34 year old pitcher who still kind of needs to prove himself in terms of durability. So, and I'll say this and granted the bar is low, but Lugo far and away better than anybody. Heim Bloom you know, ever signed in, in, in four years. I mean, Michael Walker was the best one. He had a trash season the year before we signed him. He only got good in the last five or six weeks when he found his change up. So on paper, he didn't really have a great 2021 with the Rays. Corey Kluber was, was running on fumes by the time we signed him. Garrett Richards hadn't pitched a full season. So, 
I, I think Lugo is a, is a little bit better. I, and I'm, I'm not saying I love it because I don't, but we'll see. And, and then if nothing else happens after Lugo of substance, I'm, I'm going to hate the signing that he was the prize. Go ahead, Charlie. Lugo and Price, same sentence, <laughs> just no. Let's let's stop that. That's just disrespectful. Uh, last year, Zach Eflin got, was it one or two years in Tampa Bay for 13 mil per? Three, and it was actually a little bit more. Uh, I think it was three years, 45 mil. Okay, so are we saying that Seth Lugo is worth one million less per year? Then Eflin, who struck out almost 200 guys, had 16 wins, you know, only twice as many as Lugo, had a better ERA, just an overall better pitcher. Are we saying that Seth Lugo is worth 14 million per? I would be shocked if he gets more than 12. That is such a reach for Lugo. Now, to to defend the Eflon signing um prior to that he had two consecutive seasons where he had an era over four and the most innings he threw was 105 so what the rays got out of eflin i think was just incredible um i don't think anyone really expected him to have the year he had last year so i don't know if i would compare lugo to eflin but i i, I do I do think you could compare Lugo to Waka. Who would you actually rather have? Um, because Trade Rumors has Waka for three and thirty-six, and they have Lugo for three and forty-two. Last year, Waka made. I'd rather have Waka. Waka made twenty-four starts, hundred and thirty-four innings, and he's going to be thirty-two this year. I yeah. feel like Waka is probably a safer bet to give you at least 120 innings, maybe 130. You know he's going to miss some starts, but I think Waka is a much, much safer bet, and I think you probably could get him cheaper and maybe even an opt-out in there or something because he did that with the Padres. I think you could get Waka for a better value than Seth Lugo. Absolutely. I, I think Here's the thing, though. Eflin was a starter. It wasn't a reliever. I want to become a starter. Zach Eflin has always been a starter. When he was a Philadelphia Philly, the guy had won 10 games multiple times, had hit 160 innings once before. He did hit a single season record for himself this past year, but we've already seen him do the 150, 150, 150 innings, 150 strikeouts. He can actually do it. Lugo's never done it. Eflin is eons better. And I think a little bit younger, if I'm not mistaken. So Lugo's going to be 30. You said he just turned 34, Terry? Eflin's 30. Yeah. So, you know, somebody like that, I, I can't justify pitching, you know, excuse me, pitching, paying an older guy by four, five years, whatever, an extra mil or two mil over the course of, you know, two years or three years, an extra six million for somebody like that. It just... It doesn't make sense. It's not a smart business decision. And like we're talking about like this is a business. This is a business. That would be a bad business decision. That's like buying a used car with no floor. Why would you do it? I, I just – I can't do Seth Lugo. As a four, maybe. As a three, uh, 
maybe a couple drinks in as a two. Absolutely not, Terry. Shame. Absolutely no, no, not. No, no, no. When, when I said two, I just meant the, the second guy. If we're signing two pitchers, hopefully he's the number two. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Not your number two starter. Uh, he he probably does top out as, as a as a number three, but um, but yeah, I'm I'm not saying I love it, but it's better than anything Bloom brought in. Um, I I don't trust Waka staying healthy. I just I just don't I I I wouldn't want Michael Waka. If you could guarantee me, he would he would make. Or, or let's just put it at innings. If, if you could guarantee me 160, 170 innings out of him, okay, fine. Uh, I'll I'll take another flyer on him. Michael Walker is a one-year deal type guy for me also because of that. Um, I, I would hate to be a year and a half in and he's injured again, you know, and just have all this remorse coming out of what but we just did. The only thing, Terry, is you're not getting 160 innings out of Seth Lugo. Like they're like, if you look at last year, I think Lugo threw 12 more innings. So if you had to bet next year, who throws more innings, would you pick Waka or Lugo? I mean, last year was the first year Lugo could, could go a full season. Yeah, so it's hard. I, and, but we're in uncharted waters. Waka. I hate the uncharted uh, waters. December 4th, December 4th, Michael Waka. Oh, God, we're, we're talking about Lugo and Waka. Uh, it's painful. It's, it's so painful. But that's the name we're connected to. And um, I, I don't love it either. I don't love it. And I, I've said that all along. Um, and I wouldn't go more than two years on Lugo. I would not, under any circumstances, go more than two years. If it's three years, I'm out. So that's that. Uh, John Heyman just had a tweet. Take that for what it's worth. Apparently, the Mets... Uh, have said that, uh-oh, no, let me pause on that. So according to Heyman also, different tweet, the Braves, Reds, and Diamondbacks are also in on Seth Lugo. So that might give Charlie hope. Uh, the Red Sox were mentioned uh, as well earlier. but um, So there is a market for Seth Lugo. But getting back to the other Heyman tweet, the Mets' clear top choice, those were the words Heyman gave, is Yoshinobu Yamamoto. And he's the Yankees' clear top choice. So he's going to have a robust market. And uh, we should be the top bidder. I mean, we need a guy like Yamamoto, but... I just that I'm just losing confidence by the day that we're going to be serious about it. And then we're going to outbid everyone else. I, I think if it's going to be hard to outbid Steve Cohen, but there's no reason the Red Sox offer is not very comparable. And then essentially you're just trying to sell Yamamoto on the fact that the Mets are a complete just they're a mess right now. I mean, we'll see what happens this year, but last year was they a joke. And the Red Sox have a history of winning. That's what you have to sell him on. You have to sell him on the city and the history. Um, can you do that? I don't know. I don't think the last four years 
help because they haven't been competitive. They haven't, you know, even shown the desire to win because of the lack of, of moves they've made, but there's no reason they can't go up into the mid to high two hundreds with an offer. If you don't want to go 350 million, if that's what Cohen's going to go, eventually I think there is a number where you go that that's kind of crazy for one starting pitcher who could easily break. But if it's 250 to 300, I don't see why you can't go in that in that area. That for a 25-year-old starting pitcher, I, I don't see why they can't do it. Again, Cohen's crazy. And if you're the thing is, Yamamoto fits every single organization that wants to win right now and that has money. Because he you could put him in every rotation and he makes them instantly better. So every team should be in on him. Um, but it really comes down to can you convince him that this is the organization he should play for for the next five years if there's an opt-out or decade? Charlie? I mean, here's the thing. The, the Mets are just – they're incredible, and incredible in the bad sense. I mean, you have two starting pitchers that are almost collecting Social Security, making $43.3 million a year. You trade both of them. One of them ends up becoming a World Series winner. The other one, I'm happy he didn't because it's the Astros and screw them. Um, nothing Micah said is wrong. Yamamoto does make any team – any team, regardless of money, instantaneously better. But $250 million may not get it done. $275 may not get it done. It may exceed $300, depending on who is serious. So, yeah, we've seen uh, Garrett Cole get, what was it, 320, was it 324, I think? Nine years, 324, if I'm not mistaken. So, we could see 350 blow it out of the water and then that ends it. Um, I think Terry, we've talked about this once, or I may have heard you say it. Honestly, I can't remember which show it was, but throwing a couple of opt-outs into a 10 year deal for 350 million, give him an opportunity to make more money in after like the fifth and sixth year, if he wants to test it, why not? If the Red Sox don't get Yamamoto, I don't think they're going to get Snell. The Mets are rumored to be getting or, or in on Snell if they can't land Yamamoto. I I don't think the Red Sox are going for Otani, and I'm not angry about that. It's scary to think that Otani could go back to the Angels. And Mike had a tweet earlier today. It could be the single – was like what, I, I don't want to misquote it. The dumbest single decision any player has ever made in sports, something like that. Yep, that was it, and I believe it. Yeah, one hundred percent. But I'll let you keep. Going. I couldn't. I could. I could not agree with you more. But Yamamoto is going. The Red Sox are going to have to overpay to get Yamamoto. They're going to have to say, "Hey, we want to build a future for you here in Boston, and we want to build a successful franchise around you and make you the face of the Boston Red Sox. You and Rafi Devers." I would, we would love to see the two of you together, you know, on the cover of like Red Sox magazine for the next 10 years. What, do, what do you think? Because 
he could just he could go anywhere. I mean, what's it going to take? It's going to take Red Sox brass coming out, Devers coming out, probably you know Pedro and Poppy coming out and saying this is the best place to come play baseball. Otherwise, if you don't get Yamamoto, next year is going to look ugly. And someone like Seth Lugo, who's not sexy, better not be the sexiest addition to the team because I'll be pretty upset again. Um, but I'm going to continue being optimistic and saying we have a chance at Yamamoto and just keep putting that good energy into this one. Good energy. Terry. So I, I, I don't have a ton different from the same stuff I've been screaming from the mountaintops, but signing Yamamoto gives the Red Sox instant credibility as a big market team again. It, it almost says we're back and we're committed. And number two, you mentioned all the wrong names in terms of recruiting him. Get Koji on the phone. Be like, Koji, do us a solid. Sell him on sell him on Boston. Dice K, come on, man. You want a ring with us. Help help us get Yamamoto here so he can win a ring too. Um I'm sure the Poppies and the Pedros would would be involved uh to some degree. Um, but we should have the best recruiting edge of any team out there, really. I mean, unless he's like good pals with Kodai Singa, and he could be, I'm, I'm not sure, but his WBC teammate is already here in Boston, um, Yoshida. So, yeah, so we'll see we'll see but i hope we're at least serious i'm gonna be disappointed if he signs somewhere else and then we get these articles from sources saying the red sox never really went after him and he wasn't he wasn't a priority that would piss me off if yamamoto signs for like 250 million dollars i will lose my mind <laughs> i will i will be angry that they are not willing to go that high and they're going to raise ticket prices. And, and, and like, it just, it's going to rub me the, such the wrong way because there's no reason the Red Sox who are one of the most wealthiest franchises in all of sports cannot pay $250 million for a starting pitcher. And they haven't done it in terms of a pitcher since, I mean, Chris sale back in 2019, that, that, that was a long time ago. We're going on five years. You know, there's no reason they can't do this. Absolutely no reason. If it, like I said, if it gets to 340, 350, if you get up there and you you could convince me to go otherwise and say, well, go get Jordan Montgomery and go get somebody else and you can equal that for two guys. You could convince me with that. But I, I just, 250 million better not be the number. That's all I have to say. Here's the thing. Micah, and, and this is terrifying to think about. What if it's less? What if it ends up being 200 million? How would you feel after that? If a team says, yeah, we'll give you five years, 200 mil. That scenario has been kicked around, actually. I mean, let's be honest. It could happen. It might be well under. Here's the thing. 30 years old, you've already made $200 million. You're in for one final payday. And assuming you've had three and a half, almost four years of relevance, you know there's going to be six or seven stupid teams in Major League Baseball that are going to say, sure, let's give them seven years and $300 million. Who cares? He's already made $200 million. At that point, it's just fun money. 
Yeah, I feel like I would have to like really know the ins and outs of the offers because like if someone offered him five and two hundred, you We're know, not the re- know that though. I know, but like right. it, it would it would make sense like then to say like if you know what you're up against, like you can have five and two hundred, but let's go ten and three twenty five with an opt out after five. Give you you know, you mean you have to be creative with these types of deals if you're gonna land him. And I just hope that we we see some creativity this off season, whether it's, you know, through trades, through signings. I just, there's been such little creativity over the last four or five off seasons, pretty much since they won the world series that I just, you know, what the Braves did was so creative to get Kelnick, who's a really young and and, and talented player. Um, and they, they got a pitcher like it, it just, they do creative things and I just want to see some creativity. It takes some guts to to make some of these moves, but that's what you need to do if you're if you're the shot caller for the Boston Red Sox. You have to have guts and, and creativity. And we did not see that with Heim Bloom at all. And I hope we see that with Craig Breslow. I'm not going to draw any crazy conclusions in the first 35 days or whatever he's been with the Red Sox, but that's what I want to see: creativity and just some guts to go out and make a move. And, you know, sometimes you don't have to necessarily win a trade. You just can't lose it. And I feel like with these trades, teams are so afraid of losing it and they view they have to win. Sometimes it can be a win-win for both teams, and that's okay. And that's what I want to see this offseason. I thought we were going to get that with Bloom. I mean, you look at how the Marlins got Sandy Alcantara from the Cardinals for nobody, basically. And then the Rays did the same thing, got Randy Rosarena from the Cardinals for essentially nothing. Um, uh, that's what I want to see here. And what you mentioned last night's trade uh, for Kalenic and Gonzalez, the Rays are reportedly going to flip Gonzalez. They don't even want him. I, I think it was just they did it to get Kalenic, apparently. And so we'll see where he ends up. But Alex Anthopoulos is the best general manager in baseball he's a mid-market team he's not a big market team you know i tweeted that today and said you know true or false is alex anthopoulos the best a lot of people said dombrowski i don't think that's fair because he's got a much bigger budget andrew friedman got mentioned same thing much bigger budget so we'll see speaking of uh creative trades uh i i put a really crazy one out today and i i know that there's probably a one percent chance it would go down but um we were going to discuss one soto here for a few minutes here's a trade idea now they're stuck on prospects the the padres want to clean out the yankees farm yankees are like no way not for one year with no guarantees we're going to be able to have them beyond that here's a crazy idea Let's say the the Yankees get Juan Soto and Xander Bogarts. They have to take on the, the full Xander Bogarts contract, though. So Juan Soto and Bogarts go to the Yankees. The Padres get Giancarlo Stanton, DJ LeMahieu, and Everson Pereira, who's one of he's a top five or ten Yankees prospect outfielder like Soto. I think he's a righty, though. So... 
that's $287 million that the Yankees are taking on for the one year of Soto and the remaining balance of Bogarts, $287 million. The Padres are taking on the remaining $93 million for Stanton, the remaining $45 million for LeMahieu, and then getting a prospect. All of that money for Stanton and LeMahieu is off the books in four years. I think it makes a lot of sense. It's a crazy scenario. But um, but yeah, a lot of people poo-pooed it, and that's fine. I You know... It's the winter, and you know that's what you have to do on on social media. Um, but let's talk about the Yankees realistically getting Soto here, Micah. Will it happen? Do you think? If they're so hell bent on not getting rid of um, like a Michael King, um, like I, I just don't know what they're like. There are certain players I would not give up. I wouldn't trade Volpe for one year of Juan Soto. Like, I wouldn't do that. But some of the prospects, you know, the Yankees are not known for their position players really panning out in the big leagues. A couple of them have. But they. I feel like a lot of people go, whoa, look at this new Yankees prospect. And I just a lot of them haven't panned out. And I think if you're going to acquire a Juan Soto, again, you have to give something up to get something. I know it's one year and I don't expect the Yankees to give up what the San Diego Padres gave the Washington nationals because they got, they had two and a half years of Juan Soto services. So I don't expect a package like that. But if you're, if you're stuck on a, on Michael King and maybe one other player, why would you not do that? You get Juan Soto, you get him in your building, you can show him the Bronx, and hopefully he has a massive year, and you go, look, you can do this, and you can build a legacy to the Hall of Fame as a New York Yankee. We're going to offer you an Aaron Judge-type deal. I don't know why they wouldn't do that, and he's going to help them win games next year. I don't think the Yankees want to finish in fourth place again. So I, I think... Juan Soto, as a Red Sox fan, Juan Soto to the Yankees is the scariest scenario um, I can imagine because I think he would be perfect for the the city. I don't think the pressure is going to get to him. The ballpark, I think he'd hit 50 home runs. And you pair him with Aaron Judge, I mean, that is probably the best one-two we've seen maybe in a decade or more. I just That would be filthy. Um, so if I'm the Yankees, Michael King is not going to be the reason why Juan Soto does not get traded to the Yankees. Yeah. I, I don't think that 50 home runs is, is a high. I think 50 is going to be a baseline annually because Yankee stadium has the biggest joke of a ballpark in right field. Uh, it's, it's up there with Sandy. It's up there with, with Houston's left field. I think both should be backed up. I don't know, 15 feet. I think they're both clown shows. You have players like Jose Altuve being relevant. He's a joke. This could be the most disgusting pair in baseball for years. Aaron Judge and Juan Soto combined. I mean, that's in that is murderer's row with two bats. That's disgusting. And they could, 
I mean, if they were able to make it happen, sure. Is it going to be something where they're going to trade away uh, Giancarlo Stanton? I, I don't think so. That's a lot of dead money for a player who's probably not going to play 70 games a season for the remainder of his career. Juan Soto is young. Mike already touched up on the, the product package that would come back to get that move done. I don't think the Yankees want Xander. You know, I don't think that's going to happen either. So if the Yankees want to be crafty, they're going to have to think of option one. We go for Yamamoto. We pass on Soto. Option two, we get Soto. We skip Yamamoto. Option three, we still do everything in our damnedest power to present Shohei Otani that the New York Yankees are the team to play for. And here's the thing. Whether you have Soto and Judge or Otani and Judge, it doesn't really matter. You have a left-handed hitter with clout power, you will not miss at Yankee Stadium. Either one of those guys at Yankee Stadium would hit 55, 60 home runs minimum a year. You would see multiple, oh, we almost had the home run record. Oh, we came so close. Oh my God, we got 70. We had two guys that got 60. That would happen. That can happen with these guys. So I don't think that that hypothetical I gave would happen. It would be a creative way to do some salary redistribution, um, you know, and that would be that. I wouldn't rule out, you know, a Stanton trade to a Southern California team, though. That's where he's from. Giancarlo Stanton, uh, excuse me, um, GM there. Brian Cashman uh, made some kind of disparaging comments about Stanton during the uh, GM meetings in November and it kind of fired up, uh, Aaron judge. And, um, so uh, who knows if, if perhaps a, a deal could be, uh, worked out eventually and, and the Dodgers, let's face it, they could use a Stanton guy, it, you know, they're looking for a DH. So I think Turner makes the most sense for them, but, but who knows? Maybe maybe something crazy could happen. They took Jason Hayward and got him to be somewhat serviceable, uh, and he's going back well, there. Well, Hayward has resigned. Hayward has resigned with the Dodgers. I believe a one-year deal worth nine million, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I was so just he about is going to, back. I was just about to mention that. Sorry, I, I like I, know, I like the creativity, Terry. I thought it was a creative trade, and those are the types of deals that you see. I just don't know if that all of that money could be worked that's a ton of money it is but you know i i could see a deal where maybe i don't know how many more years lemayhu has on his deal but maybe they ship him out and a team pays for i think it's a year or two left you know i could uh, see something like, three years left for lemayhu oh, three years 45 total there you go i, I yeah, could see someone it. eating that type of money you know with you know attaching a prospect or two to the deal um but the stanton deal I don't know. I the problem is you he's productive for the most part. Last year he was not, but in previous years he was pretty productive when he was on the field. But the problem is you know he's missing 40 or more games. It's just a you could you can book it. And right. if if what happened last year where he missed a lot of games and you got no production, if that's what he's going to be moving forward, that's a super scary scenario for 90 plus million dollars left. He's got 118 million over the next four years. 118 million dollars. That's a lot of money. <laughs> Ouch. 
So before I give my take on him real quick, Soto has 29 career at-bats at Yankee Stadium. Guess how many home runs? You're on mute, Charlie. Seven. Micah says seven. Charlie says... I said zero when I was muted. One. <laughs> you were right when you were muted, Charlie. Damn. Uh, yeah, he, he doesn't have any. So tiny, tiny sample size. Uh, although his slugging percentage is, uh, let's see, 862. So he must be rifling the ball. He's just not. Oh, I lied. What was I just looking at? No, wait a minute. Yeah, I um, I, my apologies, Micah. You were. Am so I close. right with seven? Uh, no, right? he's got five. I was looking at the triples oh. category. It's a long list, so my eyes have to go all the way down, and I think I jumped to call him. Okay, because I then I looked over at the slugging percentage, and it's definitely the slugging percentage. I'm like, how can it be 862 with no home runs? Uh, but yeah, okay, all right, my bad. So, um, let's see. I don't know what that ratio ends up being. What's one sixth? One sixth of his at bats are. Uh, um, home runs at Yankee Stadium. So here, here's the problem. The Padres have no leverage. He's owed $32 million for one year. And there's he's a Boris guy. There's no certainty that he's going to sign. So, and, and Micah, you mentioned Aaron Judge type money. He's getting probably Otani type money at 25. He, he could get a 15-year deal, literally. Um, so... He's going to get over 500 and I I don't, and everybody knows the Padres are completely handcuffed. I don't even think handcuffed is the word. They're like hogtied right now with a bunch of massive contracts. That Machado one, not looking good. Um, I mean, long-term he he was, he's been fine the last few years, but still through his age 40, 41 season. So uh, the Padres have no leverage here. The Yankees can wait until February to make this deal and then get them at their price. So I don't see what the the rush is here. So at Yankee Stadium, I'm I'm looking at this and I'm curious what you were looking at. So I see four home runs and nine RBIs at Yankee Stadium in 23 at-bats. I'm showing. What side are you on? MLB reference. If he's got four home runs and 23 at-bats, that's terrifying. What am I looking at? If, if that's the case, that's a little less than one out of every five Oh, at-bats. wait a minute. I, I'm looking at opponent, so my yeah, bad. So, so I'm really botching it tonight. No, no, you're, you're, you're fine. You're totally on it. You're good. But four home runs in seven games. He's hitting a home run every other game. You play 80 games at Yankee Stadium. You're hitting 40 bombs there. That's insane. Six and you and know, yeah. And and, you know, and Soto that's... Soto's the guy that like the, he's the type of bat that the Yankees haven't had. I feel like almost since like Mark Teixeira, where you have a lefty who can just hit you 35, 40 home runs. They just they've really been lacking that left-handed power. And I wouldn't even really consider Juan Soto a major power bat because it's not all he does. He hits for doubles. He can hit for average. But you put him in Yankee Stadium, he's a premier power bat all of a sudden. That's the type of player they've been looking for. And you're not going to find Juan Soto on the open market at a reasonable price. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to overpay, but they can at least get his services next year before having to give him all that money. And maybe they could work out an extension. Who knows? 
but I, I, I view it as it's better to have the player in your dugout for at least one year than to have to pitch him on the idea that we just finished fourth place two years in a row, but we're going to be good with you now on our team. I just, I think you go get him now and you worry about the extension next year because I think the Yankees should be able to pay him. And another thing to love about Juan Soto, 2023, guess how many games he played? 159. 162. Uh, 2022, uh, 153, 151 the year before that, 2020, who cares? Um Twenty nineteen was uh one hundred and fifty games. I think that was his first full season anyway. Uh he got So he likes to play baseball, I guess. He likes he's the anti Xander Bogarts. Baseball does not make him tired. And <laughs> you know He's also the anti uh Mike uh Giancarlo Stanton as well. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. If he was in the Fenway dugout and Alex Cora told him, hey, you got the day off, he'd probably be like, no, you take the day off. We'll we'll take the bench coach today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I I would never pay. He's going to be – they're going to say he's going to get $500 million. I don't know if he really will. Maybe it ends up being 470 480 But when you're talking like 15 years, that it's easy to get to 500 really <laughs> with, right. with that many years. How much did Mike Trout f- sign for? 425 because I definitely think he beats Mike Trout. Um, I think that I would put money on that. He, he gets a better deal. Than well, that he, he sure. declined basically that exact deal from the nationals before they traded him. Um, yeah, I think he turned down what 450 425. That was 425. Okay. Yeah. So I think Which he'll be insane. That. It's literally insane that he turned down that kind of money because what are you going to do with that amount that you wouldn't already be able to do with like, 400 million exactly and it's and just the, so dumb the scary thing is if if you're the yankees this could be a fear what if you acquire him and he goes absolutely bonkers and hits like 58 home runs and then he hits free agency after a monster mvp year like it's going to only boost his value that much more and maybe that maybe that goes through their mind where we're like we're going to give up prospects now and we might not be able to keep him because he just right. takes off as a New York Yankee. Right. Yeah, I mean, that could boost his value and, and send it out of control. Here's another thing I'm looking at here, and, and we can wrap shortly after. Um, there appears to be three or four teams in on Otani. Dodgers, Cubs, Giants, and the Blue Jays keep getting mentioned. That sounds really far-fetched to me, but... I guess we have to put him in there if if that many writers are going to connect them. Whichever one signs Otani, that that means there's only three teams left next season for Soto, presumably, I would say. I mean, why why would you be more motivated for Soto, who only does half of what Otani does? Well, I think the Mets will 100% be in on Juan Soto. I, I Agreed. Would, I would bet that absolutely because even if they go out and sign Yamamoto, um, these are the types of players that I think Steve Cohen is going to be like, I want him because I'm getting all of his prime years. I will pay for that. Um, so right. I, I, think, I think the Mets will 
put themselves in the Juan Soto conversation over the Otani conversation just because of of sheer age. I think you can sell um, a billionaire on signing a player when he's turning 26 as opposed to signing a 30-year-old pitcher slash position player who has had two Tommy John surgeries. That's just easy math right there. You, you make a good point because can, Soto is the perfect counter move to judge. And I, Pete Alonso's great. I love him, but he's not, he, he doesn't balance that out, you know, compared to judge. So go ahead, Charlie. I was just going to say, when you look at Shohei Otani's numbers too, let's not forget that this is a guy that missed 25, 26 games and still had 44 homers. He was just like absolutely locked in. It just didn't matter what you threw at him. It was going over the fence. He's just, he's just incredible. That's it. Right. Yep. Um, I guess we'll end it on that note. Um, expect at least one more show this week, possibly two, uh, if things get hot and heavy. Doesn't look like anything is super imminent uh, with the Red Sox. If the Mets are a dance partner, though. You know, you never know with Jerry DePoto. I mean, trading is is. I think he likes trading players more than he likes winning, because he's made the most trades of anyone in the last four or five years. So, has yet to work out for him uh, outside of one legitimate playoff appearance. But we'll see. So, everyone, have a great start to your week. Take care. <laughs>